0: Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing?
1: Doing good, man. We just recorded with Nima Vazari, and I think he's about to come over for dinner too. So uh, (laughs) David introduced us, but now we get to actually have fun while uh, David is out in cold, uh, rainy
0: Seattle. Hey, it's, it's nice and sunny today. But yeah, between you and me, uh, you are the uh, the marketer. So congrats on the new friend. Uh, Nima comes from L4 Ventures, where they are uh, just released their generalized state channel playground. Uh, if you haven't seen Nima and his MIT blockchain video, it's a 20 minute video that kind of walks through what the hell we're talking about. And so it would be a good primer before you listen to this podcast if you went and watched that video. Um, but Nima does do a good job explaining what generalized state channels are, and how they came to be and, and the differences between you know, payment channels and state channels and you know, how it's kind of constructed and the difference between uh, generalized state channels and plasma and other scaling solutions. Pretty wide ranging conversation talking about uh, second layer, layer scaling. And, uh, and then we kind of turn towards the, uh, the more grand vision of cryptocurrency. And uh, Christian and and Nima have a quick, uh, is Bitcoin bad for the environment debate? And uh, we we touched on a bunch of different subjects.
1: Yeah, no, it went from like technical to me like, all right, let's go real macro. And I was really pushing the subject there. Uh, He was a good sport. we skipped the
0: middle. We just went from super technical to super macro.
1: (laughs) But uh, I think that this is something that is going to be interesting for the Bitcoiners out there just because... You know, it gives you a nice insight into what L2 looks like on ETH and other um, systems and how people are going about it and, you know, what's similar to Lightning, what's not similar to Lightning. Um, I think it's pretty interesting and, you know, potentially some of the stuff that Nima is working on could go into uh, Bitcoin L2 as well. So uh, I think that this was a really good conversation and uh, at the end it definitely gets a little bit more exciting. So uh, stay tuned.
0: Yeah, that is a question that I forgot to ask Nima is like how easy is it to just port this technology over to other blockchains? And my limited developer knowledge would say that is probably pretty easy. It probably would just involve a few small tweaks in the base code that that plugs into the blockchain and you can basically take the and take the same framework and, and reproduce it for any blockchain you like.
1: Yeah, I mean it could even just be inspiration. Just if, if
0: not maybe the code's not reusable, but the the idea is. Yeah, the structure. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into the episode. And we bring you Nima Vaziri. All right, Nima, thanks for coming on the podcast. Say hi to POV Crypto. How's it going, folks? Nima Vaziri works for L4. He works on the uh, the Generalized State Channel program, I believe. Nima, will you kind of give our audience a, kind of a background of how you came into the world of crypto and what your skill set is?
2: Sure. Uh, yeah. So um ever since uh vitalik um kind of introduces uh whole concept of ethereum to the world a few years ago uh, i started uh, paying attention but wasn't super fully like into it without lower level details of what's going on and whatnot um, but i was keeping an eye on it um, and then i started just uh going a, d- a little bit deeper and deeper but my background was actually getting more into systems and just infrastructure stuff So I spent a little bit of time um, at Facebook, Docker, Mesosphere, doing um, just like infrastructure stuff um, overall. That was my bread and butter. Uh, And then uh, Liam, who I actually met in university, uh, um, all of us studying uh, computer science back then, uh, Liam and I actually went, Liam and Vitalik were in the same class together. Um, And then after we graduated, um, Liam said, hey, uh, there's this uh, thing called uh, state channels. And I generally had a notion of what channels were because of payment channels because of Bitcoin um, and had no idea what state channels were. But I mean, uh, at the time it was uh, relatively like straightforward to infer that like, instead of sending payments back and forth, it was a general state, uh, given that you you can do like uh, arbitrary smart contract stuff on Ethereum. so I was like, yeah, sure. Let's explore this. So uh, I read Jeff Coleman's blog post um, from a few years back the infamous one that everyone cites to when they're writing papers and whatnot. Uh, so what what ended up happening was, um, I asked Liam what the state of the art was with respect to just channel research and development. And he basically said there like, no one's really working on it like that much except for a few teams in isolation. And the properties that it provides, um, are very beneficial to people who are interested in using the blockchain, um, as opposed to other scaling techniques like sharding, um, of stake, uh, plasma, all that stuff. And this was, uh, I think, like late 2017. So uh, we got to talk a little bit more. And what ended up happening was um, Liam just sat down with Jeff and kind of extracted, um, like, like as much info he could from all the research that Jeff had has been doing since, if you like, all the way back since, like, probably 2011 like ish, uh, studying blockchain and the, like, the, Mechanism design and the game theory of like how to design things properly and um, His technique which uh, the whole blog post uh, kind of uh, derives from uh, being uh, a counterfactual instantiation was a thing that uh, Liam ended up talking uh, to Jeff a lot about and they sort of spent uh, several weeks together and uh, after its extraction that Liam did basically they Put all those thoughts into a paper, which is the paper we released uh, back in June of last year. And ever since then, we've been trying to uh, kind of turn that paper into a practical framework for people to be able to use. And I think we did like at least three iterations. We're uh, on the fourth one, um, trying to like kind of make sense of how it should be usable um, and how it's e- easiest for like, your average developer to. Be able to just like say, "Hey, I want to open up a channel," and without them needing to be an expert on what it means for all the security properties to be retained, they can just like hop in a channel and just do whatever their whatever applications they want to do normally. Um, channelize that basically. And recently, with the launch of our playground, which is like a demo environment of how you can explore that a little bit idea, um, we've uh, we've made some progress, um, but we're not done. Uh, we're not we're not close to being done at all. Um, there's so much work, more work to be done um, with jan- channels in general and other complementary solutions that um, we're hoping to integrate with and just give a lot of uh, layer two scaling um, benefits to people who want to make applications.
0: So how do you fit into the L4 uh, company? And is it a company or is it more of a nonprofit? What's the structure look like there? So that's a good
2: question because sometimes uh, people get confused with the relationship that L4 has with Canifactual. Kind of um, kind of Actual is an open source project that uh we want to like kickstart and kind of um just have it be stable enough that it makes sense for people to say, Hey, like here's this thing that we can actually uh either extend or use, um, and just have the community like lead um the efforts. Um, and L4 was basically like the company that kind of asked yeah uh, for grants so we can start that. Uh, we were, um, talking with Vitalik early on about like how we should like structure this and like have him uh, advise the research side of things a little bit. Um, so yeah, it's basically like first and foremost, an open source project that L4 like has worked with other teams like, uh, Perun, uh, Connext, uh, Pisa, Seller, uh, Magmo and a bunch of other teams so that we can kind of speak the same, um, language, uh, at the contract level, um, and then kind of integrate with each other as we're going
0: forward. Cool. Very forward thinking. And then, so what do you do for L4? Like how do you fit into the team?
2: Yeah. So I came on board, uh, right around the time or a few months before we published the paper and I was just, uh, coming up to state with, uh, what was happening uh, pun intended. And we were like, okay, what's the next step? And I primarily started focusing on the engineering efforts. Um, I'm also like uh, dabbling a little bit in uh, the research side of things and what it means to uh, kind of integrate complementary solutions, like how, how would it work on plasma, education uh, networks, that kind of stuff. Uh, but our efforts primarily um, are uh, just getting their framework to be in a robust state that people can use. And I've just been part of like the core team trying to make that framework um, happen.
1: So can you explain a little bit more like I'm still a little bit confused. What exactly is counterfactual and how are you guys utilizing state channels?
2: Counterfactual, uh, is, uh, as I said, it's not like us as a team itself is, uh, like a open, an open source framework. Um, and how to use it is a, another good question. Um, because at a high level, uh, when people talk about channels, they have a vague idea of how it works, but to be able to use it in practice, um, people seem to still, like, generally um, have trouble wrapar- wra- wrapping their head around, um, like, how it's feasible, right? So, we also struggled through that, and out of that struggle came the uh, realization that, okay, like, some new things need to exist, so we ended up uh, separating um our, our efforts into like three different areas which um, kind of resemble how some other tool sets in the crypto space work right now. For example, um, on Ethereum, if you want to build apps, you have a, like a Web3.js library which you can use to make calls to the blockchain, right? Um, so this, this is something that applications would use. So thinking backwards from how an application could be channelized, uh, we're like, okay, so we probably need something similar to this as well. Uh, So what we ended up uh, building was this thing called the cf.js application library that exposes the minimal interface for an application to interact with the channel. For example, if you want to install an application with some um, party somewhere else, you literally just give the parameters that you would like to propose to install the application into that channel, and the other uh, party can either reject or accept your proposal. And uh, upon acceptance, uh, you now have a... Application that's within a channel with that other party. Um, a, lot, a lot of the details that are captured um, with respect to how this is done safely is uh, enforced and is implemented at the two uh, other levels that we, uh, at the two other layers that we have to architect as well, um, which are uh, this component that we're calling the node, which uh, the CF.js application library sits on top of. That it makes cost you, um, and the node is responsible for like talking to the chain, um, running um, the state modifications within a state channel, um, creating uh, commitments, which are the which are the security guarantees that you have on this state transition between the parties that are involved in the channel, and uh, the third layer is basically the smart contracts layer, which. Um, allow you to serve arbitrary like um, logic on the chain itself. Um, I can go a little bit more int- uh, into detail about um, this node software that we ended up writing because that's kind of like the crux of this whole um, uh, R&D that we've been uh, doing. Um, Cause like a lot of the interesting stuff is happening at the, at the node level um, that is allowing us to be able to like build um this environment that we're now calling the the playground and some of the other use cases that are probably going to end up using uh, channels to begin with
1: for i think the reason why i'm a a little confused is maybe because i don't fully understand what a state channel is i'm a lot more familiar with payment channels um i understand that with ethereum there's like this state that um is you know final and then you know each block there's a it, it kind of you know builds up the state rather than UTXO set or anything like that. Can you kind of describe to people who are confused about like what is state and then what is a state channel, what that is, and how it's different from a payment channel?
2: Yeah, of course. So, a little bit of context, just briefly covering uh, payment channels. Um, for those who are not familiar, are essentially like you have you open up a channel, and by this, more concretely, we're referring to multi-signature wallets um that whoever wants to be in the channel um can be a one of n of those participants right so you have signing authority um within that payment channel so let's say alice and bob want to be in a payment channel together um they can open up a multi-sig where alice is one of the signers bob is one of the signers, and you deposit some amount of funds into that channel so you can uh, send transactions back and forth with each other um, and whenever they're happy uh with the updated state of the channel um they can revert back to the main Bitcoin chain. Um, So essentially, you only require two transactions, which are the deposit transaction and the withdrawal transactions. Um, The next evolution of this uh, technique would be uh, state channels and more specifically application-specific state state channels. Um, What this refers to is now, instead of uh, sending payments or money within a channel back and forth, Um, you have the ability to, uh, execute arbitrary logic that would upon, um, the end state of that logic, uh, actually being executed, it could transfer, um, the funds that were sent into that channel. So if you were playing a game of chess, for example, um, if Alice won and you were playing a round of chess for some amount of money, um, Alice would get that amount, Bob would lose that amount. Um, so it's essentially just like um, some state being uh, played with or modified, and hence the amount that was deposited in the channel will be modified. Now, the next version of this is we asked if you can if you have the ability to modify state arbitrarily within a channel, um, why can't you do this with multiple uh, applications instead of just one and having to kind of open up a channel every single time you wanna have an off-chain application with someone else. We're like, why can't uh, you do multiple apps within the channel? Um, so that's when generalized state channels um, came into effect, which is basically you have, uh, you open up a channel, which is still just some funds being deposited um, into a multi-sig. However, off-chain, you have uh, the construct set up so that you can take the segments of that main deposit and you can allocate that towards different uh, applications that you want to be involved with, with the other participants of the channel. Um, and you have the same guarantees as application specific channels. Um, it's just now that you have more flexibility in being able to do more things within the same channel instead of opening multiple. And what kind of does is it's just a generalized state channels framework that makes doing um, what I just described um, as simple as possible.
0: Essentially, So vet this statement for me. And if you really, if I really want to dumb down state versus payment channels to a, to a really simple comparison, would it be accurate to say that like payment channels is to Bitcoin as state channels is to Ethereum, where payment like Bitcoin does one thing really, really well, which is make sure Bitcoins are transferred safely and securely. And then Ethereum does, you know, generalized computation on a blockchain and it's got the it's got a Turing complete computer in it. And so I see like the payment channel versus generalized state channels as like a microcosm for Bitcoin versus Ethereum. And so generalized state channels is kind of like opening up a a channel, a a guaranteed channel, a channel with guarantees to a computer. Right. And the and because it's generalized, you can access anything through that state channel. Is that is that a fair way to describe it?
2: Yeah, basically.
0: Cool. All right. And so, like, what are, I know you, you alluded to chess. We could play chess through a generalized state channel, and I'm super excited about that because I, I, I love it when people use in the analogy of a game that I actually do play. And so I know that that's going to come first, right? I'm going to be able to play chess through a generalized state channel. What other applications do you think are going to be coming in the, in the short-term future or are or at least easy to code? regardless of whether L4 produces it or some other body of, of developers, like what other easy to develop things are potentially around the corner for generalized state channels?
2: So this is a good question. Um, except it's hard to answer, um, off the bat because, um, like it's not totally obvious. Um, however,
0: um, right. Cause it's so general, like who knows, right. Is that, the, so for example, yeah, like, like of kind of taking crux? into account,
2: um, what happened when ERC-720 7, uh, tokens were like introduced, right? They were like, it's cool, but then you have like CryptoKitties came and like, just like that exploded, but no one was like really thinking um, that CryptoKitties would be uh, used, like w- would be a thing that that would be used for. Um, but giving like the developers the ability to, um, like a new primitive, for example, to be able to do something else that hasn't been done before, uh, that kind of, like leads to a bigger um space of possibilities for like thousand x developers to be able to just kind of like experiment like uh, or just like go wild right um now chess is like a like one of the examples tic-tac-toe like other ones are just trivial examples that facilitate the realization of this uh construction but like once it's done then like there's no limit as like what else you can do with it because like it's like I mean, it doesn't, right? Like, there's just like, a general framework um, that we want, like, developers to have to so be able to benefit from the
0: properties that it gives you. Um, yeah, I guess, like, chess and tic-tac-toe and, and that kind of stuff, yeah. it's it's doing the old things in a new way, and that's kind of cool. Right. But I think what you're saying is, like, there are new things that can be done in this new way, and that just takes a lot of imagination mm-hmm. and, you know, people actually building these products that yeah. we're not really going to see. be able to see. I mean, uh, if you take a look at uh, the example of um, uh,
2: like what's another like good details like generally like if you think about like new primitives existing they open up a space of possibilities that allow you to do something else but those primitives alone won't cut it for you like some uh, usually so when you combine it with other primitives uh, like in combination they'll work like and have a like a really wonderful effect like uh, channels give you this new primitive that you can work with and so does plasma so, if you combine those two, then you have, um, like, you have a way bigger space of possible things you can do with it. But like, what they are yet are yet to be explored. It's just it's about giving the ability to like work with new primitives to developers. Like, if you can think back to um, how like the internet uh, basically like evolved, right? Like, you have new new primitives on top of new primitives. Uh, and it just, like, it became way more powerful. Um, so, like, that's kind of thing we're repeating here. So,
1: I guess you're kind of talking about, you know, Ethereum is exploring a lot of different kinds of Layer 2 scaling solution and Layer 1 scaling solutions. Like, with the current roadmap of things that are being worked on right now, what's kind of, like, your view into the future of Ethereum scaling?
2: Um, so, I mean, there are... Uh, things that are happening in parallel right you have like plasma research that's going on with uh, the plasma group um working pretty aggressively on getting things like shipped and just making progress towards what it makes sense to have a usable plasma especially especially for developers to be able to use it uh and just iterate with it um then you have channels which are all like layer two you have like side chains and all that and then you have this layer one stuff that's happening like uh like proof of stake and sharding and whatnot. Um, it's just important for people who are uh, working in these two layers to talk more with each other and kind of like not have uh, effort be wasted. For example, if like you don't want to be working on layer two and then the base layer, layer one, has like crazy, crazy changes that you, you have to like... Uh, modify a lot of your existing infrastructure to be able to adapt to um that but at the same time uh like a lot of the benefits that layer two uh, techniques do provide uh they will still work with like eth 1.x right so um it would just be like super super ideal to have them obviously work with uh, ETH 2 um but it's just like a general um
1: so this actually goes perfectly into one of the questions I had written down here is how does E 2.0 like development affect what is happening with layer 2 tech today, right? So I guess to compare and contrast with Bitcoin, you know, Bitcoin base layer is the plan is to keep it as recognizable as possible right now. But that's not necessarily the case with uh, E 2.0. It's going to be very different. Um, system than ETH 1.0. So you know, with that in mind, like how, like how are you guys planning for you know this future of ETH 2.0 while you're building L2 tech right now?
2: Uh, so the assumption that we make about uh, layer one um, interfaces, um, they're very, very, very small. Uh, that that's a set of assumptions. Um, currently, the framework actually only makes one assumption which is the construction of a transaction and what defines a transaction. So two to, uh, from, and data value, right? Um, that's literally all that's required for our, our framework to be able to operate essentially. So, um, you have Ethereum, but there's like technically no other reason for it to not be, uh, working on other chains that have the same, uh, the same interface. So as long as like e two has a very similar, if not the same, uh, interface, then it shouldn't be too much of a problem uh, keeping it
0: functional. So can you co- kind of compare and contrast generalized state channels to plasma? Because uh, it it kind of sounds like it's operating pretty similarly in the sense that like you open up one channel and then you have a you have a bunch of options at your disposal after that but it also sounds like it's a way better right like you have a lot more functionality than, than plasma does can you kind of uh, il- illustrate for our audience like what the main differences are and maybe pros and cons
2: yeah sure so it really depends on your use case uh where plasma shines state channels like are not the best and vice versa um so state channels if you know who you're going to be uh, interacting with that is to say if you have a fixed uh, party um, it's best to use a channel because um, chances are if you have a fixed party, um, more or less you are likely to uh, like trust who those other people are. So you, you gain instant finality and like, uh, basically free uh, transactions back and forth and zero block times that you have to wait for, right? Um, that is, uh, but it's important to like note that generally like that small set of people uh, usually, will it, it's better for them to be people that you trust because of uh, griefing problems and like attacking problems that other the other parties can introduce to the channel. Um, on the other hand, you have plasma, which uh, is slightly different in what it does. Um, it's not. It's not. It, there's no requirement for it to have a fixed group of people you're interacting with. Um, but some of the other properties, um, or for example, uh, how it differs is instead of gathering signatures from everyone else who's involved uh, in Plasma to be able to advance the state of um, like your world, essentially, um, unanimously, what you do is you basically are sending any transaction that you have to this Plasma chain, which then the operator uh, collects and provides a Merkle proof uh, which he or she then sends to the main chain at every such intervals. It could be 50 blocks. It could be hundred blocks. It really depends on what the operator does. Now, this is one of the fundamental differences between channels and plasma In channels. You don't really have an operator in channels. You just have the people you're involved with. You gather your sig- their signatures for any given state and you can proceed forward. That's how you achieve instant finality. But for the operator, because you have this uh, for the plasma, because you have this operator, You have to wait for the operator to submit this uh, uh, this block hash to the main chain every so often, which is how you don't have instant finality. You instead have eventual finality.
0: So, would you vet this statement? Vet this statement number two. So, like with uh, state channels, you kind of provide your own consensus, right? Because you're signing all of your own transactions. And I mean, I guess you do that with Plasma, right? But Plasma, there are these defined operators who are doing the validation for you, right? And so with Plasma, you've outsourced validation to somebody else. And with State Channels, you uh, you've keep, you keep that validation under your responsibility. Is that correct?
2: Uh, if by channels, uh, by you, you mean the set of people who are in the channel, then yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So actually, uh, would love to kind of define that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, at least with uh, you know, again, Bitcoin Lightning channels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you open up a channel with another node. They're still working on the logic of having multiple people, uh, multiple nodes inside of a channel, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of curious, how does that work with uh, the counterfactual uh, cha- uh, general state channels that you're working on now?
2: So uh, to be more uh, to clarify a little bit, are you talking about the, how payments are routed through multiple nodes to get to the final party.
1: No, I mean I understand that what uh, what I'm asking is like uh in Bitcoin you have or at least in the lightning network um you only have two people or two nodes between a channel, right? It's yep. balance on it's a, it's a channel that's open between two nodes. Yep. Or do you have multiple nodes uh with the or multiple t- participants more than two um, with these general state channels?
2: So yeah, the There's nothing um, that's stopping us from being able to uh, go through a set of intermediaries if two end parties want to communicate with each other. In fact, that's how the playground works right now. Um, If you go on it and you sign up and you want to play a game, um, you're actually playing with another user who's connected to the playground. Um, And you're effectively going through the playground and you have what uh, we're calling a meta channel that effectively has three parties involved in it. So that could be like a payment uh, route being routed from user A to user C through user B, um, or it could be any other states, right? So.
1: So essentially, is each user is connected to kind of like this hub, and then uh, their payments get get routed through that hub.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it can be a hub. Like in our case, it is to simplify uh, a demonstration, but it can be multiple hubs, it can be like multiple nodes that are in, in between, it really doesn't matter. The protocol can support that.
1: Do you think that these general state channels are like, are people, is the technology there to create a network of state channels, like where it works similar to Lightning where, you know, you can route pay, route state through, uh, through different connected uh, nodes?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, the software that we have so far is still uh, relatively like preliminary, but um, when it becomes a bit more robust, definitely. There's nothing preventing that from happening.
0: That's crazy. That's really sick. Um, It's one of those things like I don't – that sounds like a really interesting subject, but I have no idea like what to ask to go into that subject because, again, like it's so general and we'll just have to kind of see – wait and see like what people build on top of that. So I guess one thing
1: that I'm kind of confused about and, again, like I'm just not is – I don't understand, you know, uh, the purpose of like general statefulness as as much – um, but, like, why would someone want to, you know, use this kind of second layer solution to transfer state versus just transferring account balances?
2: Well, anytime you are involved with or you're interested in uh, sending, like, any arbitrary state um, and you, for, exa- for example, um, if you are involved with some parties that you know beforehand that you know you want to interact with more than once, it's just like plain cheaper to have a channel set up with them. and um, whether it's payments you want to send that like back and forth, or like any other kind of like activity. For example, if you have like um, you think about Venmo right now um, and you're sending money between your friends back and forth, um, you could effectively do that with the channels, like payment channels that you have set up with each other um, like uh, on Bitcoin or Ethereum doesn't really matter. Um, but that's effectively a channel, right? Like you're sending money back between each other. Um, but it's not it's just not going to chain and it's faster and it's cheaper and all that um now take venmo and you replace it with any other application that has any other state and you just gain that property like uh, basically for free
0: So could you run cryptokitties on a generalized state channel?
2: You could but again that's not like uh, the differences that i mentioned with the uh, plasma channels um like you a lot of things you could do with some of these like uh, techniques except you got to take a step back and ask which ones make more sense. Um, it, it would make more sense for, uh, crypto kitties, for example, to be on something like plasma instead of channels, for example. But yeah.
1: Why is that? Why is that?
2: Um, it's just because, uh, for things that are like, um, well, I mean it, it, it also depends on like what exactly you are doing. Um, for example, uh, if you are running something like, um, uh, let's say, like an exchange or some other kind of hub that requires fast uh, transfers um, that need to be between users who you don't know, um, that's better for, like that it's better to use Python for that obviously, right? So if, for example, you're doing crypto kitties with like some random person, um, then it's better to just do it with plasma. Whereas, like, if you um, are doing it at a much smaller scale, um, it's, it would also it would make sense to do it with uh, channels with people you are in a channel with that you uh, you trust more, basically.
0: So Nima, what's next for L4? Like, what do you guys have in the pipeline now that you guys have released the playground? I know you said it's not finished, but uh, what are you guys kind of working on now?
2: So right now uh, we're working on uh, how to integrate this with other, um, like scaling, uh, techniques, for example, and just generally making this more robust. So other people can use it. Uh, for example, um, we're talking with PISA to understand how it makes sense to implement watchtowers, um, which are uh, also an active area of research for, uh, layer two, uh, scaling techniques in general, um cause of the attacks that I mentioned earlier with, uh, people want people griefing you, for example, if like someone's offline or, uh, actively like not responding to you, whether that's channels or plasma. Um, so Pisa is like looking at watchtowers to be able to, uh, alleviate that problem a little bit. Um, we're working with connects to like, see how we can, uh, kind of collaborate there with, um, what they've done with the die card, um, just things like that, right. To be able to like have other people who are also working on tangential things that bring value but making it easier for them but at the same time uh making it easy for channels to be used and making like this offer more robust
1: so Nima, i'd love to kind of get into like what gets you most excited about general state channels and you know like and where do you see this technology going like let's get a little cosmic here
2: <laughs> all right uh so like, why do we care about channels, um, which kind of uh, begs the question of why do you care about like layer two or decentralization and all that? Um, and I mean, a lot of people like know what um, the motivations are behind people working in this space, except um, like it's a little bit of a, a signal-to-noise ratio with respect to how much... Um, People talk about uh, or hype up what's considered decentralization, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And we got to kind of like realize what actually makes sense in the practical world instead of like theoretical stuff um, or things that we romanticize or idealize. Um, for example, like there are cases where centralization itself is not necessarily a bad thing at all. Um, and it's a very good thing because it provides a uh, Uh, a gateway for the average user to be able to go to go to like a certain place and have everything simplified dumbed down so that they can like understand it and use it and have like a very simple protocol for them to understand um versus like having everything be fragmented and them having no idea what's going on So like i I think that's like one of the issues that like everyone like some people like tend to like misconflate a little bit um I guess we can talk talk about a little bit.
1: And kind of going beyond that, like where do you see, like you know, I guess like where do you see the possibilities of this stuff kind of going? Like in a world where, let's say, you know, all of this is successful, you guys have scaled Ethereum. um, You know, what what does that look like to you?
2: Uh, As broad as that uh, question is, uh, I'll try to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're getting big here. We're we're going away from technicals and specifics, and we're going to big Uh, ideas. So assuming you do
2: have a world computer that you can, like, perform any kind of computation on, um, what, like, you're trying to do is effectively trying to um, not be censored, right? Um, and once you have that ability, um, there's a lot of other things that you can do. Or, for example, if you have that ability plus the ability to um, have value that's accrued, that's within your hands, um, you can travel more broadly uh, and more sovereign sovereignly and literally take all your net worth and just go anywhere in the world and do like almost literally anything you want right um whereas like the fact that like that's not uh, currently possible um or that it affects the lives of like people um like that's where like a lot of the promise lies but we have like quite a way of, quite a way to get there but it doesn't mean that um we should like stop or like we should try any less harder it's just we do realize it's going to take some time and like we're working on stepping stones that we can just build off of each other to get closer to that.
0: So in your spare time, how much time do you spend thinking about Ethereum versus Bitcoin versus other blockchains? Like where does your like mental allegiances lie?
2: Um, I'm generally like not like crazy about, um, which blockchain is like, uh, better or worse. Like, um, Except that, like, if you ship and, like, the progress you're making is, like, visibly, like, um, impactful, or at least it's trying to be impact, impactful, instead of having a lot, a lot of noise around it, or um, it's opinionated in the wrong ways. For example, um, a, a lot of this stuff is, like, very politically charged, right? And the, the decisions that go behind um, uh, these movements are, like, not small at all. It's, it's a paradigm shift. So... Um, kind of like which, like you have to think about which um, uh, motivations or which uh, incentives that you align yourself with and kind of go with those. And I just like generally from the people that I've met in the Ethereum eco, uh, ecosystem and the kind of goal that um, we're pursuing, that seems to be like going well, um, as well as it could be compared to any other blockchain um, that I've seen so far. Doesn't mean it's perfect, obviously not, but like there are a lot of issues that we still need to solve. Governance being a huge one, um, scalability being another one, privacy, usability, all that stuff. Um, a lot of the things that are going on in the Bitcoin world obviously are interesting as well. Um, Lightning is like making like really really good progress, and I'm excited to see where they go. And for example, like the bridging of these two worlds, having a bridge between Ethereum and uh, Bitcoin, um, and having people use Raiden or other kind of like channel or, or payment networks. To be able to bridge that with uh, lightning, um, like th- this kind of stuff, um, like these networks will like, eventually give um, your average user the ability to like hold the asset they want to, um, and not necessarily be like long on Bitcoin or like short on Ether or whatever. But like given the circumstance of the economies around them, they can like freely like do what they want according to what the markets are like, without any kind of inter- uh, intermediaries uh, preventing them from doing that. Um, for example governments right so
0: so it sounds like you are somebody who you're a builder who just likes to build stuff and likes to see other people build stuff and you don't really have too many too many poli- political le- allegiances would that be about right
2: uh, more or less yeah I mean not 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 so far uh, it doesn't mean that I won't uh, have a position politically like uh, in the future obviously uh, it just it, it all like comes back to um, what the end goal is and how those goals basically um, achieve uh, like incentive compatible mechanisms, which is actually another topic that uh, Jeff Coleman uh, talks pretty regularly about um, this uh, topic of uh, mechanism design, um, which I'm not sure if you've heard a lot about or um, you've talked about. Oh no, I
0: love mechanism design applied game theory, I think is like the missing science that I think a lot of people need to pay more attention to. Do you want to go into that and to like why you think that's so important? Well, in
2: general, um, like, like, any system that you want to interact with, um, you want to have um, uh, the least amount of effort uh, with the people you're participating in that system with to um, be able to have a, a positive, ideal outcome with, in terms of that interaction, right? Um, for example, right now, uh, if you think about how email is designed... Um, like there's a lot of a lot of spam in the world, and that's because the incentives are just not set up right. Um, that's just the one system that's affecting like many people. P- people have like all over the world have lost millions of that because of spammers. Um, that's just like, a huge example. But if you think about any other system that involves humans, or even like non humans in general, um, just in like aligning incentives is um, a very very powerful um, way of approaching um, any effort that you wanna. Uh, put yourself towards I guess.
1: So this is actually pretty cool and I think it's pretty cosmic Um, Mm -hmm. but personally I think that this idea of uh, Bitcoin really aligning people's incentives around energy, around saving, stuff like that is going to have a cascading effect on society I'm kind of curious how you think about, you know, now that these crypto systems are incentivizing people to think about the design of their system and think about incentives and Think about getting people to consent and buy in. Like, how do you see that changing the world? So
2: that's a that's a very good point because um, it's a really good illustration of like why um, uh, systems that are designed with some intent um, do not always work out in the way you intended them to be uh, in in the end. Um, I mean, obviously, like it, it was a goal for uh, the Bitcoin system overall to like alleviate the problems we mentioned, but I guess we didn't realize like the potential problems that it would cause as well except having done that it doesn't mean that um we can't change our minds as well um there's a famous quote i'm not sure who it's by but it doesn't really matter i guess um that when the facts change you change your mind so like if that if that's the case um and you realize that a lot of uh, energy is being burnt um you gotta take a step back and look at hey like is this system achieving what we wanted to achieve in the way we wanted to be achieving it if not then you kind of like have to ask yourself further questions about okay well, how does this deviate from what we wanted to achieve and like basically go go down that rabbit hole a little bit and do it in a progressive manner um again like incentives doesn't don't do always have to be constant um they will change with the circumstances that you're exposed to
1: wow so that actually went down a direction i did not uh, anticipate but I will challenge mining concerns any day. Uh, I personally think that uh, it's a black and white issue, and people don't think about it right. That's just my opinion. Would love to okay. hear like what's your opinion on that?
2: Um, actually, like let's look. Like, let's go a little bit into um, uh, your thoughts on that. H- how would you uh, want to elaborate on this black and white issue?
1: So, I mean, I think it's pretty clear that energy consumed does not equal like pollution, like, you know, Mm -hmm. equal exclamation mark pollution. Like Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of crazy to me. And then beyond that, um, it's pretty clear to see that you will go out of business unless you are getting the most competitive electricity prices, period, Mm -hmm. right? So uh, if you look at where the cheapest electricity prices in the world are, it's Mm -hmm. where there's excess electricity Excess energy that's not being captured. And a lot of times, the majority of the times, that's green energy. So Mm -hmm. now you're talking about there is an incentive to get and extract energy that was not being extracted in an extremely efficient way. If anything, Bitcoin makes the world green because it gives us an incentive to efficiently and cheaply extract electricity instead of taking the easy electricity. The easy electricity is electricity that you burn coal for, so that way you can power your city at night and power your bank buildings. The cheap electricity is the methane in Alberta, Canada, that is being released into the atmosphere. And if you just burned it, you can mine some Bitcoin and you made it 10 times healthier for the planet. So. Like I've, yeah. I feel like it's pretty obvious that that is the direction it's going, and yeah. I don't understand why people are so scared.
2: Um, so I guess let's take a step back as to why, um, like we, like why a lot of people think uh, this way, and obviously, like because of the rise of social media, like it's inevitable that a lot of things are going to be sensationalized. This issue being one of them. Um, so like when you have sensationalism uh, applied to like a very sensitive topic uh, that people are gonna rave about, gonna be like oh my god, Bitcoin's like wasting so much energy. Well, if you have the right systems in place, um, renewable energy, and those systems are actually being used to provide um, this guarantee that hey, uh, this network is actually is being made safer, um, then sure, like that's not that much of a concern as people will make it sound like right like like oh yeah oh my god we're wasting like so much coal and like we're introducing so many bad things to the climate um a lot of people just a lot of a lot of people um probably do not know what they're talking about or the implications of the details that they're referring to when they talk about this kind of stuff um when they go lower level um, like, But like I said, um, if you have the right systems and incentives in place, um, you could do a lot of things that like you wouldn't have before. Um, but it doesn't mean that any system isn't vulnerable to its own class of problems, right? Um, for example, um, proof of stake, uh, just because you can allocate capital um, to like uh, this consensus mechanism uh, doesn't mean that uh, you're not going to have people who just put a lot of capital and um, just get staking rewards, right? Like that's obviously like a concern as well. So it's just like the trade offs you're kinda of dealing
1: with. It makes sense. Uh you know, I was trying to kinda jump into with my original question, I was kinda saying like with the incentive systems that you see being built now, I mean, personally I think that like scarce supply or at least uh um you know very competitive monetary policies I feel like that is going to have, like, this cascading effect on society. You know, I'm trying to get, you know, like, how do you, like, you are building this essentialized technology, right, with this game theory, you know, what like, what does that equal in your mind? What's, like, the end result? I know that, you know, you can't know for sure, and there's this big question mark, but you have to have a vision.
2: Um, I guess it's the primitives that, like, we're building on top of, um, and we're kind of assuming that... um a lot of these other problems um, uh, will be solved um, more or less as efficiently as we can. Like we think they can be, because people who are generally working on this stuff, um, they're not. Um, they're relatively not like tunnel vision. Um, they are thinking about this like cross disciplinary. Um, but it, at the end of the day, it just comes down to um, like what exactly it is that um, you're uh, kind of contributing to right um so like i don't have much specific opinions on like the the lower level like details or um where like in the end i feel like or i hope like this stuff will go towards it's more so that um i'm relatively higher level i'm more interested in um bringing um like more ability to other people and kind of just giving them the freedom to like build what it is that they think would be useful to build now, whether like that's on Ethereum right now, it could be another blockchain like in the future, some other time, um, it, it all might change, but I mean, like I did work on like things in previous companies that were, um, developer facing. So like, this is kind of the thing that I'm pretty interested in like doing. That probably didn't answer your, that, that, sorry, that probably didn't answer your question as fully as you wanted it to. Um, but i guess it's possibly
0: the hardest question to answer yeah
2: because it's basically like asking like why do you support this chain versus that chain like that can like go into like a a multi-hour like discussion at at the end of the day
0: oh yeah it could turn into a whole podcast you never know at the end of the day
2: um you're gonna be like okay well like i'm still at the same place i am and so are you Uh, (laughs) but like here we are working on the things we're working on so
1: I I know. I mean, for me, like I just, it is a hard question and I'm sorry, I keep pushing, pushing the case, but at the same time, it's kind of interesting to see people's motivations Mm -hmm. and what they care about. And it's interesting to see that you're just really focused on, you know, building this technology out and making it as usable as possible for Mm -hmm. other developers. Um, and I'm kind of curious, like how many other developers are really just honing in on that and you know, how much does that play into building something that kind of catches on with a wider audience?
0: Yeah, so from from what you see in your developer community, Nima, do you see people being generally apolitical about the future of the blockchain world, or do you see them like having allegiances in the same way that Krishna and I do?
2: Um, generally, I've seen only people, but then again, this might be um, a selection bias towards the the demographic I'm exposed to, but generally I've seen people who more or less, just want to build cool things. They're not really concerned about um, the noise, or not necessarily the noise, but like the other things that um, that are being talked about in the, a lot of the um, different verticals of the crypto space. Which doesn't mean that they shouldn't care about it. It just means that they currently mostly don't.
0: Reasonable. You got to give those guys credit for being uh, so politically agnostic in a in a space where you know everyone seems to be picking teams.
2: Like like I said previously um uh the the fundamental assumption we make about the chain um for our framework is like a very like, a small set of assumptions. So um kind of like how Starkware is um getting funding from multiple different people um who are building like and they're building like a pretty cool tech um like we want channels to be viable for um chains if they can like in fact use it. But the the base chain being um incentivized by different um
1: uh things right so
0: christian unless you have any other questions i think there's a good place to wrap it up
1: yeah no i was gonna say Nima. who do you want to hear from what do you want to tell to our audience
2: um i generally would love hearing um people talk about uh things that um we do talk about uh like uh, we talk about like a little bit in the, in the space, but even more so with respect to, um, sure, the things we're working on right now are cool. Um, I mean, they're technically cool, but like we didn't start this out um, to work on cool technology. We started this out to uh, bring value to the world. Uh, so um, how can we do that um, better if necessarily faster um, or what are the use cases that we aren't thinking about that we should be thinking about and what are the motivations for kind of going towards those use cases. Um, yeah, so that's basically what I would like to hear more about because that's kind of like the the challenge that like, we've been facing. It's more like uh, we're building a lot of this cool tech, but um, hopefully uh, we can see some like use cases that are a little bit more advanced than like payment networks. I mean, uh, albeit like payment networks do um, offer like a huge leverage in the world today if they existed, like a global payment network um, that was functional and fast and everybody adopted it. Uh, But things that like blockchains um, just offer in general with a little bit more um, like, I guess, genericness, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, totally. I I get it. Um, I see what you see. Um. So if people want to find out more about L4 and the uh, Generalized State Channel Playground and more details yeah. on, on Generalized State Channels, where should they go to find out more?
2: So our site is L4Ventures.com, which is the parent company that like started off this thing. Um, you can find more about counterfactual uh, on com. The demo playground we've been running is com, And um, we can be reached pretty easily through a Discord chat that we have set up. Uh, which you can access through canopods.com slash chat. And I'm freely accessible anytime you um, want to talk to. you, uh, I'm on Twitter. It's Nima underscore Vaziri. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Spell it out, man.
2: Oh, uh, sure. It's N I M A underscore V A Z I R I. Shoot me a message and we can talk more about channels or uh, more so on like cosmic exploration and whatnot. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> All right, Nima. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, really appreciate you spending your time uh, powwowing about generalized state channels, and uh, you are, of course, welcome back anytime to talk more about any uh, future things that L four puts forth.
2: Yeah. Thanks for having me. Enjoyed us a lot.
0: All right, guys. You can find the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. You can find me at Trustless State, both on Twitter and on Medium, Christian. Yep, you
1: can find me C K at C K underscore Snarks and Nima. Thanks again for coming on and thanks for fielding all my hard questions. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it and you know I learned a lot.
0: My pleasure. All right, bye Nima. Take care.